Welcome to Conversations with Caroline. On this season, we're going to talk about conversations that matter. I have asked each of my guests to bring a conversation to the show that they wish more people were talking about. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, throw in your AirPods for your daily walk, grab some friends to listen in. I'm your host, Caroline. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and written a review. If you haven't had a chance to do so, please do so wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow along on Instagram at Conversations with Caroline for all the latest updates. And be sure to share this episode with someone. On today's episode, we hear a familiar voice, my friend Nicole Masita, who joined us in season one to talk about the company she co-founded, Body Beloved. Nicole is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she is a mom of two and serves alongside her beloved husband in their local church. Most recently, she's devoted her time to cleft and craniofacial awareness, education, and interventions when her second daughter was diagnosed with a cleft palate at one week old. Today, we sit down to talk about what that first week was like and how it wasn't until six months later that they finally felt like they had a plan forward. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for coming back to the show. Hi, Caroline. Thanks so much for having me again. I am so excited. You reached out a little bit ago and asked if we could record and launch an episode in July because July is Cleft and Craniofacial Awareness Month. And I, of course, said yes. And so I am so excited to have you here and want to hear all about that. But I'm excited too, because last time you were here, you were pregnant with your second daughter. And a few weeks after our episode air, she arrived into the world. And so before we get into all the medical specifics, why don't you sort of catch us up on her delivery and what those first couple of weeks were like? Yeah, thank you so much. And you said that so beautifully. And it's wild just to think that that was um, like, it's kind of coming in on a year and it just seems like, gosh, like it sounds so cliche to say it, but I don't have any other words to say it, but it goes so fast. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, thank you. Um, yeah. So Adeline Joy came into the world, um, November 9th, um, really easy labor and delivery. Um, I mean, when I say easy, like no complications, like it wasn't easy (laughs) by any means, but like easy and far as far as like no complications, like God was like totally, um, you know, gave me what I needed to kind of get through that and um, really short hospital stay, hospital admission. We left, you know, 24 hours and some change after she was delivered and I breastfed Oakland for like you know 19 months and I just thought it would be easier this time around and so I didn't really think much of it when I had Adeline and she wasn't really taking you know she wasn't really latching on very well initially and I just didn't really think much of it I was like we'll figure this out and She was a big baby. She was like over eight pounds, which I'm so thankful for now that she was bigger just with what was to come and what we were going to discover. So 
yeah, um, took her home and it was like, <laughs> it was like reliving the like torturous nights of like no sleep of, you know, just being up all the time and this crying and not sure why the crying was happening and um, taking her to the doctor the next morning after we had been home and, you know, just kind of in tears and not sure, you know, what was happening. Why wasn't she latching? Why was she screaming all the time? Like the only way we were able to successfully feed her was through a syringe, which is we were essentially like taking my expressed milk and like syringe feeding her, which is normal to be doing in that first week while they're kind of like figuring out how to nurse. But like, that was the only way she was like getting any food. And so pediatrician just kept saying like, you know, just keep trying, like, she's good. Like she's good. Like, and then after like three times of seeing him in that first week, I was like, I think we need to see like a lactation consultant. And so he was like, yeah, sure. So we had one scheduled for the week, exactly a week after she was born. And I, um, this was like in the height of COVID, like when things were like crazy again, and we weren't supposed to see anyone for the holidays and things like that. And so it was just me that went into the appointment and I was like, you know, crying because I was like so tired. And so like, why can't I, why can't I get my baby to feed? Like what is happening here? And the lactation consultant just listened to me like, and she was like, okay, well, you know, let's take a look. And, she, you know, she put on her gloves and stuck her finger in Adeline's mouth and kind of looked at me funny and was like, well, she has a really interesting mouth. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what does that mean? And, and then she kind of like looked closer and she was like, looked at me again and was like, she has a cleft palate. And I was like, what? And she was like, go get your husband. And this was like a no-no, right? Like you don't bring in your spouse for any of these appointments. And Steve was like in the car with Oakland um, waiting for me. And they came in and um, she was like, she has a really wide cleft palate. And so when I, when she opened her mouth and showed me, I was like shocked, like just you she has no power like so the way I describe it is if you put the tongue on the roof of your mouth she doesn't have that like it just goes up into her nasal cavity there's a small piece of tissue but as far as that like as far as like her the front of her teeth like that gum area all the way back to like your ulvia those like things that dangle down like that doesn't exist for Adeline and so it was like, I just kept asking like, okay, wait, what do I do next? Like, I just kept asking like, what do I do next? And she's like, I'm sending a photo of your pediatrician right now. Like, and he, she was like, you're going to be sent a referral to, you know, see a cleft and cranial facial team. And I just kept asking like, okay, well, what do I do next? And she's like, well, she needs a special bottle. And I was like, okay, well, what do I, like, I just kept asking, what do I do next? What do I do next? And she's like, well, eventually she's going to have surgery. And I was like, okay. So I felt like it was like, we walked out of there and I was like, okay, with everything. And then our pediatrician called immediately and apologized. And then 
of course, Oakland threw up in the car. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I told you that, but she, we like, Steve had been giving her snacks to kind of like keep her happy. And she like threw up, like never had thrown up in her life, threw up in the car, all over the car seat. It was like, really like, <laughs> come on. And so, yeah, so that's how we found out. And we took her home without any special equipment of no special bottle or anything like that. And Steve sat on the couch with her for like an hour and tried to give her a regular bottle we had since we knew she wouldn't be able to nurse and she wasn't able to collect any milk from it. And at that point I started to panic. I was like, what am I gonna do to get this child to feed until I see, until we see the, the cleft team? Because at that point, our plan was to go to Palo Alto to see her cleft team on Friday. Well, let me stop you there because I want to keep going down this time. Yeah. But something you I know, said. You said the first couple of weeks and I was like, there was a lot that happened. The there is a lot weeks, and, I, so. and we can keep going. But one of the things you said that I want uh, moms and aunts and grandmas to hear uh, is the advocacy in front of your pediatrician to see a consultant. And I... I'm curious, it sounds like that was something self-driven. And so, so many times I know I deal with this in my own personal health. We feel, we sort of second guess, should I say something? Should I not? Am I being too dramatic? They are the ones that went to medical school, not me. Like they should be seeing this. And so I just want you to speak a little bit to that. Now that you're out of crisis, you do have a great plan we'll talk about, but to the moms who are feeling like, should I or shouldn't I advocate? Can you just speak to that, the power in advocating? Sure. That's, yeah, that's such an important reminder. Yeah. I remember thinking something is not right here. And I, like, it's normal to have problems with feeding like those first few weeks. Like I had the same I had similar issues. I won't say the same, but I had similar issues like with Oakland, my first, but I just knew that something wasn't right. Like every time I tried to, you know, place her on me to eat, she would just scream. And I was like, something's not right here. And I tried to, you know, kind of say, tried to bring that to the attention of him, of my pediatrician. And that I don't want this to come off. Like I have like my pediatrician, is not a good pediatrician. Like we, we really like him. Like he's not God, he's not perfect. Like he's going to miss things. And so I don't blame him for what happened and for it going undiagnosed. But I do think that I needed to advocate for us getting more help or earlier on. And, and, you know, part of me, I kind of look back and I'm like, why don't we just stay in the hospital longer like why was I so confident and ready to get out like I should have stayed in the hospital longer and and he reassured me later on he's like nothing you did or didn't do was like you know slowed down your course or anything he was like it was all you know it all kind of unfolded the way it did um and nothing you did or didn't do was you know wrong so I have to remember that, but yeah, that, that still small voice that is kind of rising up in you and something doesn't feel right. Yes. I, 
would say that you need to take action on whatever that is. And I was ready to, <laughs> I was ready to like go anywhere to, you know, be seen by any one that would help us. And the furthest, or it was like the soonest we could get in was like, it was like a Thursday and the soonest we could be seen by someone was Monday. And I remember thinking that was like, a, felt like a lifetime. And it was like all the way in Livermore. And Steve was like, are you sure we want to like drive out this far? And I was like, yeah, like we just need to go. And like, he was like, I don't think it's necessary to like drive that far. I'm like, no, we need to do this. And thank God we did. <laughs> so yeah. Was that for the consultant in Livermore? Yeah, that was the okay. last consultant in Livermore. So they have more specialized training to identify those issues. Um, I mean, I don't think she expected to diagnose a cleft palate right there, then and there. But um, yeah, I mean, she's going to be paying more attention because the pediatrician is like looking for, you know, they're doing a wellness check for the whole body, right? The, all the systems. She's kind of specialized on, you know, the mouth, the, you know, the face, and then obviously my anatomy as well to get her to remove milk successfully. Right. Okay. So you're home. You've seen that. I have to imagine you at least felt anchored in. I was right. There was something wrong. We are moving towards more information, maybe not yet solution or resolution, but it felt like all the chaos of the first week and maybe the sleep exhaustion was finally going to get you somewhere for more information. So how long from coming home there until I, I know when we've spoken, you started going to Stanford, you started seeing other doctors until you really kind of got in front of the people who were going to make the first year of life plan for you. Right. Yeah. And just to back up, you reminded me of something that I did initially feel so much relief when we got the diagnosis. Like, I don't know if I told you that and that's why you brought that up, but I felt so relieved like that there was a reason why it was happening. It wasn't something that I did that she couldn't eat from me. Like, you know what I mean? Like there is, cause I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why isn't this working? You know? And then to hear like, oh, because she literally can't remove milk from you. Then I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, there was that initial relief before I think realizing like what, what this was going to mean for us, but yeah. Um, so yeah, getting home, trying the bottles, nothing was working. I used to work for the county. And so I reached out to a friend that was working at the county and she brought me, she was like, just come into the hospital. I'm working tonight and I'll like get you a special bottle and I'll show you how to use it. Cause these bottles are like, not, you know, they require special doctor's order like they don't they're you can't just buy these bottles at bye bye baby you know what I mean so it's like wasn't just an easy to come by thing so she got me one of those so I like went to the county <laughs> nursery like at eight o'clock at night and she got me in and I just like collapsed in her arms and I was like crying and she she's an old friend of mine so I, but I don't, I, it's like, I don't know what I would have done had I not had that connection. You know what I mean? Like, what would I have done? Like, it's just, I, that's what I always think about. And that's why, you know, we're talking today. 
is, you know, because of that. But yeah, so then our appointment at Stanford rolls around. I'm so excited to go in and just talk to someone about what we'd been dealing with. And I show up there and they're like, oh, you're out of network with the insurance. And I was like, I just drove an hour and a half here and I just gave birth a week ago. Like, are you serious? And they were like, I'm so sorry. And it's almost laughable, you know what I mean? And so we drive back home. Then like a few hours after we get back, it was like eight o'clock at night. I look at my phone, there's like a 650, like, which is, you know, Palo Alto area code calling me and I answer and it's the clinic director and at the cleft um the cleft team and she was like I am so sorry about what happened like how can I help you and I was kind of like oh wow wow, this is nice (laughs) like um so I was kind of explaining the situation and she was kind of giving me some pointers over the phone she's like you know what I just really need you to come in like can you come in this weekend? And so we, again, we, I think it was like the next day or something we went in, they brought us into the hospital and they met, a, like kind of introduced us to a speech therapist that was able to get us all set up. And it was like, not even on the books. Like she was like, I'm just not even going to like deal with your insurance. Like I just, we just need you to get in. And I was like, thank you. So that was like a huge blessing and like favor that we had that happen because then we were able to get the right bottles, the right feeding technique. And, um, you know, it was cause that early on, like every day is like so important for their weight. And it was like, we were losing time so quickly, just not being able to get the, the, um, equipment that she needed to be able to eat well. which is like the name of the game with a cleft. So, right. And I'm curious when you found the community support, knowing that this is something that happens in one in 700 babies, which equals every three minutes, a baby is born with a type of cleft or craniofacial condition. Did you start looking right away? Did you turn to Facebook, turn to other friends? Did you know any other moms that had been through this? Yeah, it was when I texted, actually, I texted you and Michelle, our friend, and Michelle reminded me that there is a woman that used to go to our old church, Amanda, who her daughter had same thing Adeline did, a a cleft palate, and I reached out to her and she was able to kind of like talk me through like what what I was going to be expecting in the next, you know, the next several months and year, you know, what the surgery was going to be like when they were going to do that, like all all of those details. And, and then, um, searching online for, you know, cleft, um, support groups was also like a really great resource, um, for me to go, go to and have for, you know, questions and things like that. And just to, you know, not feel so alone. Cause even though it is common, it it's easy how isolating and alone you feel when you're the only person that you can physically see in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You 
already in the business you ran before this life event are such a voice on social media and online where you encourage women to gather and to own their truth and their story. And so I was so excited when you launched a new Instagram page specifically dedicated to this and are helping to educate and really shed a light on something that if it hasn't affected you directly, you probably don't know much about it. And so what has that been like? Have you gotten a lot of feedback um, from people who are learning for the first time what you went through? Yeah, I mean, most of like the people that are following our like feeding journey is my friends, but I have like, you know, made some like other cleft mom connections that has been really beneficial either ones that are currently on the journey or ones that are you know years outside of it but yeah it's it's just I just when I was in the like when we're in the height of like the difficulty of like Adeline not gaining weight and her feeding aversion which she developed which was like essentially I don't want to eat like you cannot force me to eat because of all the pressure that we had been giving her and people constantly looking inside her mouth to evaluate it like and then having to undo all of that harm and you know then her still not gaining weight and us trying everything possible to to avoid a hospital admission to start tube feedings like that was like the lowest of low and the amount of like information and people that I had to talk to and collect just to get us out of that period of time without a hospital admission like it felt so like how am I the first person to deal with this and like why isn't there like a manual to like get me through it like there was I just felt like there is nothing out there to tell me like what I needed to do and how to successfully like feed her to get her out of the, you know, the essentially the failure to thrive that she was in. Mm -hmm. um, and that it was like such, it was, it was like such a low moment. It was like right around Easter. And I just remember like, I was just praying for like a miracle, like get us out of this like it feels so daunting and overwhelming and I literally felt like I've never felt that hopeless before of like all I'm thinking about is like feeding her and how how can I feed her more and how can I you know get her to gain weight and um I just remember like it was such a it was such a spiritual thing like to get those letters in the mail of like saying that she, like what her diagnosis of like being failure to thrive and like the fact that I couldn't get her to gain weight like I totally took that like as a personal like identity thing like I'm a dietitian I'm an experienced mom like why am I not able to get us out of this like if anyone should be able to it should be me and yet I couldn't it was like so out of my control and that was the thing that I was like realized on the other side of it was, you know, everyone needs a savior in their lives and it's not me. Like I can't be, I'm her mother. I can't be her savior. I can't be her Jesus. You know what I mean? And, and it's, and then it just was more confirmation that 
you know, our, our lives really aren't about ourselves at all. It's really about how are we going to use our suffering to help other people, which you know all about, like just with your situation, like you, like, I feel like people either get burned by their situations or they like rise up or like, okay, how am I going to turn this into good? Because we know that's the, we know that is the point of the gospel, right? Is taking bad and turn it into good. Like that's always God's intention for any trial or suffering that happens to us. It's how can we, how can we take this and turn it into good? And so that's where that's a long way to answer your question of kind of how um, my new kind of account birthed was like, okay, I need to like find a way to get all of this information together so that I can put it out into the world for other people to access. Um, so they don't have to be in this, the suffering for as long as I was. So I purchased the URL or the domain name, you know, cleft baby nutrition and was like, okay, I don't know what's going to come of this, but I'm just going to start documenting what's, what's happening. And then hopefully someone will be able to, you know, use this one day. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine if someone found your page and there was a story or a tab on a website that says like, just discovered or like, you know, just found out. And like, these are the things I wish I'd known. These are the questions mm-hmm. to ask. These are the appointments you'll like kind of what Amanda was able to do for you. And yes. you piece together the hard way just to feel like you had two feet on the ground and there was a list to start checking off as opposed to feeling out of control, not understanding what was happening. Um, I really believe that you and Adeline, as she grows older and grows her voice and realizes that she was birthed and grew out of this incredible story um, before she was even one, I hope that she'll use her voice to share about it with you and that you can be this awesome mom-daughter duo that helps to make other mothers not feel Um, like they're failing or that they're hopeless, but that they really can see their child thrive because of Adeline's story. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, someone, it was Easter when I was, I was just feeling so weepy, like I said, and someone, our, our good friends, Chico and Tuscany, um, you know who they are, but they, we told them like what was happening and we were at Easter, an Easter service with them and they prayed over us. And Tuscany was like, you know, I really think that like the reason why Adeline is facing this like adversity is because she has a great destiny over her life. And, you know, it's like, you're not thinking about who Adeline's going to be in 20 years. Like when you're, you're literally just thinking minute by minute, moment by moment of like, how are we going to just, how am I like, literally I was like, how do I survive the next day without going into the hospital and getting admitted? Like, how do I do that? And so I wasn't thinking who she was going to be in 20 years, but it was when he said that it gave me such, it was like, it gave me such purpose for fighting and why I was fighting and that I wasn't just fighting like a system, you know, of, or her, you know, her health. I was like, I was really in a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a hundred percent God's grace that brought us through that situation. And 
oh, I wouldn't want it on anyone, <laughs> but I'm thankful that he's shown me great purpose through it. Amen. And you talked a little bit about that purpose to help others who are going through it. And so because of the awareness month, why don't you share with the listeners what you have for them? Yeah. So, um, when I first realized that cleft and cranial facial awareness month was the month of July, which also happens to be my birthday month, I was like, well, I want to do something to like honor, you know, like to just do something to honor it. And so I was like, I'll, I'll donate my birthday to it. Um, and so I was like, I want to do like a fundraiser. And so I reached out to Stanford, which is where Adeline's doing her care and we'll have her, um, palate repair surgery coming up in a few months. And so, um, so yeah, they helped me kind of start like a fundraiser page and essentially we're, our goal is to, to raise $3,100. So in honor of my 31st birthday, um, to raise that money and it will go directly to patients at Stanford that need um, funding for um, just a lot of services like ancillary services that insurance doesn't typically cover. Insurance covers the, the surgeries, but there's so much more, like I was saying, that is like needed, like you don't just like coast through and you get to the surgery, like there's so much more support that's needed. Um, so the, it, the funding will go directly to those patients and their families that need that funding. So I'm asking if people can donate $31 to go towards that goal, um, then, um, and it's, you know, all tax, tax deductible and things like that. So, but, um, yeah, it's like, you know, when I was in the thick of it, I was like, how are people like, literally, how are people doing this? Because not only am I, do I have all these resources and education and support and privileges that I have, like, you know, I have medical insurance, like we, you know, have the, the financial ability to hire, you know, feeding experts and things like that. Like I was able to call like, friends that are you know in the specialty like and yet we still struggled so how are people that don't have any of that like I can't help but think about the undocumented like family that is in my situation like how how did they do it you know how are they doing it are they like are they making it through it and so that's the the heart behind like why I want to do get more funding is because of our struggle, it, because it was so hard. I can't imagine how it is for people that have less than what I have. Right. And where can people find the fundraiser? Yeah. So um, you can go to, um, you can go directly to my Instagram page. So it's cleft baby dietitian. <laughs> I think it is. Um, and um, it'll be right there at the link in bio. Um, and, um, or I think, are you going to be sharing it in your link in bio too? Yeah. So Caroline's going to have it on her podcast page. And um, hopefully I'm hoping that people will share it on um, the 10th, which is my birthday. So um, 
it'll be live that day for for people to access it and donate what they feel called to donate. Wonderful. Yes, we'll have all the information in the show notes and on the Instagram posts. And one closing thought before we wrap up, if a mama is listening, what would you say to her, if anything else? I would just want to give her a hug and just say, you know, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be an easy journey by any means. It's going to be difficult, but you will get through it and you're going to realize it's like, you know, you realize the strength that you didn't know existed, but then you also realize like how weak and like how out of control you have, you are for life circumstances, but, um, but that things are going to be okay and that you're going to get through it. And, um, you know, I was always thankful that this is the birth defect that you would want to have. You know, I kept telling myself that I was like, this is the one that we would want out of, you know, all the ones that are out there. Like it's not, of course it's never easy, but this is the one that, you know, is, um, on the laundry list of things that could go wrong. This is the one that you would want to go wrong. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and I look forward to seeing how your fundraiser goes. Yes. Thank you so much. And thanks for sharing. 